everyone. I'm Matt Grunler. And I'm Laura Grunler. And today on K12 Art Chat, the podcast, we'll be chatting with an amazing creative, Momo Pixel. Momo Pixel, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Hi, hi. We usually start and we'd love to have you start with, um, instead of us reading your bio, we like to hear your journey, your artistic journey, your, just how you got to where you are from you. Uh, yeah, so I'm Momo Pixel and I'm a game developer and an art director. Um, I started like everybody as a fetus. I like it. You know, <laughs> and um, I had an interest in art ever since I was a kid. You know, I think I think everyone is used to having students or being that person who's always distracted and, and looking at things. And I was kind of that person. But at the same time, I was like super brilliant. So I always used to tinker with things and like I was always messing with things and so um you know I think a babysitter kind of changed my life she was just like you know what you're going to sit down and you're going to play with these beads and so (laughs) she introduced me to perler beads I think I was about like seven and um I would definitely say that that kind of snowballed into like what I am now and what I do now um so I just I used to just mess with a lot of arts and crafts I was always an arts and crafts student kid um I was into in in middle school I was always in art class you know high school that transfers and you're like on the yearbook and you're president of this and you know it just keeps going going it it always just keeps getting bigger and you know in high school a teacher was like oh you really like art and I think you're you're super interesting you should try to go to SCAD and so that's when I found out about the Savannah College of Art and Design and I applied and I got in and so I went to SCAD and I did everything I didn't really have a major I think I started with creative writing and took like a few classes it was like oh no I'm good and then I changed to something <laughs> else and then I kept changing and I would do my homework with the fashion students or I would go to like the third floor and be with the illustration students and I would go visit the sculptural lab and nobody knew what I did and it didn't matter because I was surrounded by art you know it's it kind of like the Hogwarts of art school so I really appreciated that school because I just kind of got to go buck wild with art like I just got to, and the foundational studies is really great, right? You kind of learn the basis of everything. So it, for me, it didn't necessarily matter what major I went into because I had a, like a core foundation. So I ended up graduating with a degree in advertising and somehow that's what I ended up doing. And uh, that was the beginning to, to, well, you know, this, where am I now? Well, even now though, I look at, I look at your website, I look at your bio, all your accomplishments. And I think, you are so many things. Like it's hard to pinpoint exactly where you fit in, in some ways, because I look at you and you have this beautiful style that is totally authentically you. And you can tell you make things and you're, and, and you're doing your games and you're doing advertising, still working for all these big name companies. And I mean, how would you, if you had to encapsulate that, how do you, how do you encapsulate it? I mean, just as an artist, as a creative or creative, I usually say professional creative, um, because I think mm-hmm. sometimes you could just be out, but I, I, I primarily work with brands. So I generally call myself a professional creative. 
Um, and it doesn't really have a bound because I think good creatives shouldn't. Um, you know, in advertising, you're just supposed to execute an idea. It doesn't really matter what it is. And just because you execute it doesn't necessarily mean that it's what you are. So like, say, <laughs> say we have an idea. We're like, oh, we're going to make an ice cream truck and we're going to paint it. And then you paint it, you know, you're not necessarily a painter, you know how to paint, you know, right. you may not claim that title. Right. And so I was just kind of used to, to various things of that sort, you know? And so I think even when uh, I made the first game, I was kind of just like, yeah, you know, I just made a game and everybody was like, well, you're a game designer. I was like, no, like <laughs> it was just an idea <laughs> and we made it. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, as, as time goes on, right, you just keep finding spaces, you know, even within games, right, uh, you're learning and you're doing new things. So when you're creating characters, right? That's character design. Am I a character designer? No. Do I know how? Sure. But would mm -hmm. I consider myself that? No, but I have, you know, I have the knowledge of it to complete the tasks. And I think that's why I love what I do because uh, art's always changing. So I think that I should always change mm -hmm. that, you know, in a couple of years, there's probably going to be a new program that I'm going to learn. And they're going to be like, Hey, you're a thing of my bobbin. And I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> I loved how in your story you talked about how you were in this amazing design school but yet you were doing all of these different things um, mm. you were doing homework with fashion design people you were doing you know this with with illustrators or you're doing that and I and I can't help to think about school and how you know at the elementary level or even at the middle school level or even at the high school level how those those formulas I guess if, if uh, you want to call them that would be would would really benefit kids I mean I, oh, I see okay. that um you know what what were some of the some of the benefits you had from that I mean clearly we we've already started to experience that but just yeah. thinking about some of that um, yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I constantly would change my environments is just because different people do different things. And so you can pick up habits from them. So, you know, the fashion students were always super up late. And I think from them, I learned how to be a bit more resourceful, right? Because you would see them cramming and distressing out because they can't find a button or a zipper doesn't work. And then they'd be like, ah, wait, I'm going to take this piece of strip from this and I'm going to sew it here. And instead of having a zipper, I'm going to have this Velcro, you know, and they would just like have to figure it out, right? <laughs> and so you're in the midst of that, right? Like I'm just drawing and they're, they're like, doing makeshift stuff so you know it used to just get my gears going and so I found myself starting to do fashion pieces so even with the beads that I've always messed with like mm -hmm. I still have in my hair there on my walls I was like okay I'll start making hats so I started making like whole snapback hats completely out of oh. beads and I started making all this different stuff because you know my gears were turning and it was like how can I make this customizable so you know I still do things that I learned from there of how to be able to interchange something to where instead of having multiple hats you can just create something to where you can just change out one piece and it makes the hat completely different right so being around them I think helped with resourcefulness or just seeing things from a different angle you know like mm -hmm. um I think a lot of people see items for how they're labeled right not just clothing but I think in life with people with I mean that can apply to anything and I think that the greatest thing that art school taught me is that 
you can remove the labels with your mind. Like just because it says it's a shirt doesn't mean it's a shirt. It could be a dress. It could be a sock. It could be a hat, you know, just because it says it's this doesn't mean it's that. It's just that for that person, but you're a completely different human. So I really admired being around them because, you know, it got me into a work ethic of working really late and being resourceful. You know, illustrators, they are super determined and their line work is crazy. And so, you know, just watching them, it was just like, okay, Momo, you got to clean this up a little bit, Um, (laughs) you know, and just their, their processes and how, you know, there are some things that you can't force. Some things just absolutely take time. And so it also taught me that, right? Like there are just some absolute things that can't take time and regardless to how fast the client wants it or how fast you want it. There are some practices that you should dedicate your time to, you know, like inking does take some time. So, you know, each different major, you know, sculpture, like it's crazy to see something go from a mud splat to like a human with like, like, you know, (laughs) so I just, I just always loved sitting next to people because I just felt like it always expanded my mind and it always felt like magic. It was just like, what? You're doing what? how and knowing that we're all in the same place but we're all doing different things it was it was great so um I think a lot of students who were at that school I know people who went there for something and they're doing something completely different now in their creative career but for us it all kind of feels the same because we learned that it's all creative you know like anything that you learn especially from a foundational standpoint can apply to something else and I think I've thoroughly loved my my life I have no qualms because I get to use everything like you know like what like if I do music I can make music for a game like it just it never stops so yeah it's so awesome so you you know go back to the game design I I had a chance to play with a couple games they're pretty (laughs) awesome but I am not good at games um my 10 12 year old gave me some shade about it, but, um, you had a game that went viral. It was called hair. Nah, tell us a little bit about that game. And then tell us a little bit about your other games. And then also, how did you get into that? Because I mean, does that take coding? I I would not have a clue. (laughs) Yeah. So hair. Nah is the thing that changed everything. I don't even have (laughs) It's been years and I still don't necessarily have a, a great description for for what I would how I would describe what hair and all was and is. Um, but simply it just occurred because of life experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to move around for jobs. So you get a new job, you move to a new city. And so I was living at Portland at the time because I was working for Wyden and Kennedy, which is uh, for people who don't know, they're like the agency that does like Nike, just do it. They're like a really big deal to a lot of people so I was there and um I had never lived in Portland and I had never lived amongst so much of a certain demographic Mm. and uh you know it was um interesting it was a bit jarring and super traumatic for me actually because every day it was like I would go to work on my way to work somebody's like yanking on my hair and I'm like what (laughs) and like the first couple of times it happens I definitely thought it was like a fluke right like you think like oh like that doesn't happen or maybe somebody's like weird because it it hadn't happened to me I had never I literally had never had that experience I was already I think I was like 20 
26 at the time. It was already 26, 26 years of hair peace. And I moved to this city and that peace is gone. Oh. I would go to the grocery store and the, like, I would be, you know, they're like ringing my stuff up. And then all of a sudden I feel a tug and I look and the person ringing my food has my hair in their hand. And I'm like, no, what? it doesn't even make sense. You're supposed to, you're like, uh. you know, so it was like, it was, it was always, it was forever. And so I started even noticing how my like character changed, right? You start becoming a bit more guarded. Mm-hmm. You're a bit more rude. The minute someone's hand would come out, I'd already like have my responses and stuff ready. And um, I remember at the company, they had a brief that was, um, what are some of the stresses that Black women face and how can we address them? And, you know, I think there's kind of this general consensus that humans do. (laughs) We think that one person knows the answer for all the people. And, Mm. (laughs) you know, like, oh, if that's that's a frog, a frog knows what all frogs feel. Um, (laughs) And so I didn't necessarily know the answer to that because I'm just like, well, that's a monumental question. I mean, everybody's different. But I was like, I could tell you what my issue is. And everybody keeps touching my hair. And so um, I remember I had wrote a script called hair and all and um because you know i told you i started my mm-hmm. started in writing and so uh, i'm explaining it to my creative directors and they were besides themselves they're like what do you mean people touch your hair like 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 they were trying to understand their scripts you know it was like a girl she's like she meets a new friend and the friend goes to touch her friend's hair and and they were like but like what do you mean like did something happen like no like she just exists and somebody goes to touch her hair and so they were trying to act it out and I remember watching the whole fiasco and I was just like ah because I was just like frustrated of using words you know there's only so many words Mm -hmm. you can use Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, this would be so much easier if it was a game, right? Because games, they're visual. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I can, I can say what it's so many few words, but you would visually understand it. And I, I think I thought I said it in my head, but I had actually said it out loud. And um, one of them was like, what did you say? And I was like, uh, I said, this would be better as a game. <laughs> they were like, absolutely, let's make it. And I was like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. So you know, I had only been um, designing actually pixel art digitally for like two months, um, right? Because, but I had been doing these for years, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a, again, back to the fundamentals. So I had a fundamental understanding of pixels because I had always done it in, in an analog way. Um, and so, you know, I make the mock-up for the game and stuff and we we start we start cranking on it and then it gets to the point where people are like well we want to help you make this I'm like you want to help and so you know I get a team and I get to choose the people that I work with mind you I've been doing that seat hopping thing by since college so at the company they also had it kind of arranged like hey the 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 managers sit here the the I don't know, the the lead sit here, the planner sit here, you know, the designer sit here, the editor sit here, but I was always a hopper. And so I was always really great friends with the animators and the fabricators because that's, I just love to learn. And so, you know, when it came time to make the game, I already had like a crew. I was like, hey, you, 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 let's, you know, so it was great because we were all friends and we were all making this game and we really learned together. And yeah, Hair and All came out and, um, I knew it was going to go viral because I think a couple of months prior, Solange had just came out with Don't Touch My Hair. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy because when that song came out, I realized I'm not the only one. one. (laughs) Right? This whole time in Portland, I was feeling like Tigger. And I realized (laughs) at that moment, it's not just me. And so when I saw the reception of that song, I was just like, oh, 
oh, this game is going to be like magnificent. And so, you know, I think there are people who didn't believe me. They're like, what do you mean it's going to go viral? I'm like, no, no, no. It's going to go viral. <laughs> and so um, I think that they had released it in their way. And I was like, no, I'm a just, and I think I had released it. I had tried to like message it on Facebook. I already had kind of a following. But um, I only have like 200 followers on Twitter and a friend from Facebook was like, Momo, put it on Twitter and let Twitter do its thing. And I was like, nobody's following me. She's like, ah, put it on Twitter. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, 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 I put out the famous tweet, you know? Uh, so I got tired of women touching my hair. And so I made a game and I put the link and, you know, I, I think I just updated the site today. Like that tweet has seen like 4 million impressions, Whoa. right? Yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It, Twitter did its thing. I was annoyed. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it took off. It was, a, it was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, it is a cultural phenomenon. Like people were playing it. There's a whole YouTube section of people just playing the game and having their responses. I mean, celebs left and right were retweeting it. Um, I think there's even an episode of like... Um, how to get away with murder where they they like feature it you know um it was in every article you can think of i was like why is rolling stone covering hair and all like isn't that rock music <laughs> you know so it was in like every article you can think of it was in like, every country i was literally having to do google translate for articles because there's in like german and like like my i have a wikipedia the wikipedia is in france like if you look it up my wikipedia is not based in the u.s it is wow. in french so it, it literally it was a global, a global thing. And then, you know, so it starts, it starts online and, it, and then it, it starts going into the physical. So, you know, it starts getting featured in museums, museums want to have the game. So you have it in the Tate Modern and then the Victoria Albert and, you know, it just starts doing this. And then there's like film and game stuff. Uh, London, the UK was really big on it. Um, I, I had to travel there a lot to actually give talks and do experience. And it was amazing because I had actually never been to London. Now I've been too many times to count, but it was, it was amazing. I, I feel like I did a whole press run for like a year. Um, so yeah, it was crazy. And the thing is, it still keeps going, right? So mm -hmm. it goes from, from that to you start getting into curriculums, right? So like hair and all is a part of so many college curriculums or professors are always writing me like, hey, we like did a whole segment on this or like <laughs> there's like dissertations. Like anytime I, I have this thing, I'm like obsessed with it. So I'll just look it up and I love like finding dissertations like, yes, break down my thought process. Who is she and why did she, but you know, like break down the idea of this game. So I, I love finding like, huge oh it's just it's just amazing how far it's went right and then it's in after school programs and you know you're seeing other people being like how can games teach people right mm -hmm. like how is play and you start seeing people going back to like play is like the fundamental way of learning it's like yeah what do you think we've been doing <laughs> right <laughs> um so yeah it is it is crazy and actually i don't think that i think i just put it on the site but um in 2021, we actually made Hairnaw into an arcade cabinet. So now oh, you can man. also play Hairnaw as an arcade, except because, I mean, we can never do things the regular way. Um, there are no joysticks or buttons. It's actually all motion censored because why would I have you move the controllers right. when you can actually slap the hands away? That is so <laughs> cool. Right, it's amazing, right? <laughs> Um, so that's actually in Brooklyn at this um, arcade bar called Wonderville. So yeah, so we even have an arcade. So I 
do not have a description for how amazing hair Nall is and what it did for the world. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't even feel like it was me. It just feels like I was a medium, right? Like it was, the idea mm-hmm. was supposed to happen and I was just the vessel for it to come through. I'm glad it was me. You know, I feel like yeah. I get invited to like picnics for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> I'm the girl who made hair Nall. You're welcome. Okay. But, make me like- <laughs> but, so, but I mean, just this year you made another game and the one I was playing today was the Twitter data dash. And yeah. again, going back to the idea of play, and learning things. I mean, that's all about understanding the privacy aspects of Twitter. Absolutely. So how did, how did that come about? Oh, that came about because, you know, clients just, they, they find me, you know, you, you, you put, you put the fish out and they, 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 they grab on the hook, you know, that's what the <laughs> website's for. But, um, <laughs> so no, um, an agency YML contacted me and they were super fans of my other work. Cause I've also made games for Google play and Hulu and, you know, just my background in advertising. Um, and so they were like, yo, Twitter, we're, we're doing this privacy policy. Like we, we would love to help people learn through play. And that's my whole thing. So, um, it was an, uh, it was amazing project. Um, I feel like I really got to flex my pixel muscles. I love when I get to have like creative freedom to, to do everything, you know, and I think that my goal is to always make them say, Ooh, before I make them say, Oh, which just means, uh, it has to be visually dynamic, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't capture them with visuals, any, nothing else matters because if it's, if it's not appealing, people won't even push play. They won't even go to the site. So, um, I, I love when I can capture people in that way first. And, um, yeah, I love that we can put all the knowledge in there and that people could learn about, the policy in a, in a fun way, because I think usually people just update it. Nobody reads it, or I don't, you know, I don't even know what happens usually when companies mm-hmm. have updates. I don't think that there's ever actually a conversation about it. So I was glad to just be able to help them foster a conversation, you know? Um, and yeah, there was tons of articles written. And again, mm-hmm. it went back to the other languages and I was like, oh, look at this. <laughs> We're translating again. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was great. Awesome. Um, you know, I, you, you bring up such a, first off, I thank you for telling us that story about how Nahair came about. Um, but what I'm curious though, is, you know, in those kinds of situations, especially in like a classroom setting, um, I'd be really interested to hear what you might say to a teacher who maybe is you know, having that kind of conversation with a student or, you know, may, maybe not that exact same situation, but something like just that. Just in terms of having to deal with microaggressions, right? Yeah, just yeah. to be able to just kind of, you know, as a teacher, you'd be coaching the student kind of through something. Mm. How would you, how would you approach that? Or how would you, what kind of advice would you give to a teacher? I would tell the teacher that they need to help the student learn to stand up for themselves. Um, but in a, I don't want to say diplomatic, but in a, in a, (laughs) in a way that is, you know, both beneficial to them and the person that is, um, doing it right like my my favorite thing is to call people out right I love when I get to send those emails and I'm saying everything that I want but it sounds oh so nice um so I would I would definitely do that because that's essentially what hair naw is right like I say everything that I want to say but it's it's in a comedic kind of way and it is still super pointed I even cuss 
I even cuss in it, you know, that people are sharing this with their kids and nobody, you know, nobody cares because it is a, a really thought out game. It's really funny, you know, and it gets its point across in a, in a way that is digestible. So that would be my advice to the teacher. And, and if the teacher doesn't know how, first the teacher needs to know how to deal with things in a, in a way like that, but they should, right? Because they're a teacher, right? Like they, they, they know how to diffuse, diffuse the kids. But um, I think that that's a super beneficial way for kids to learn, right? Like calming down, I think first, like calming their emotions and really thinking through and then finding a way to deal with this situation that doesn't uh, make it worse, right? I think sometimes people think that you're, uh, you're attacking them. And I think that's why I wrote the game from that perspective, right? Like she's on the defense, right? Like she hasn't done anything and people are just offending her, right? So help her defend herself. So I, I think there's a lot of things and sometimes language is, is really, is, is really key, you know? So um, even the way that you phrase something. So I would say that like help the student learn how to talk to other students, but also sometimes, sometimes, the student just has to stick up for themselves, you yep. know. I, I don't want to say fight, you know, so don't no, worry no. say that. But you know, sometimes you just really have to stick up for yourself because I don't know why, but students, we're kind of um in our adolescence, we just we're unaware or we don't care. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. <laughs> right. Sometimes, right? So sometimes there's that moment where the student has to stick up for themselves and you just have to let the other person know, like, no, this is not okay. I do not like this. And this is not how we're going to move forward. You know, we have to find another way to move forward because this isn't it you know, and uh, apology if I did something to make you think that this was the way, but I do not like this, right? So my advice would just be, yeah, to like help the student learn how to like deal, deal with those things and, and mostly communication. Communication takes you so, so far. Um, it takes you further than anything else, um, which is why I'm trying to be bilingual, but yes. <laughs> I really love you, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, so in preparation for our interview with you, Momo, I read a lot of articles, um, not any of the ones in German or French, but um, the yeah. ones in English. And I, there was a, a one quote and I wish that I, I'm sorry to the author of this because I didn't, I just scratched down my notes, but I wanted just your, your reaction to this quote, but it says pixels work exists at the intersection of Greek culture and geek, culture. geek Greek, Greek culture, not Greek culture. No. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. <laughs> Geek culture and blackness. What are your thoughts on that? Geek culture and blackness. Wait, repeat the question. What is the question? So I'm just curious what your, your, your reaction is to this quote. It says pixels work exist at the intersection of geek culture and blackness. Do you feel that's true? That pixel work exists. Your work. Your work. Pixels. Oh, that my that my work. Mm -hmm. Um, I, well, yes. I don't know if it's the intersection, but <laughs> I'm I'm black and I'm a geek, so maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the intersection. But sure, <laughs> I think it's just it's just pixel art, right? Um, I think if my work, yeah, 
<laughs> I, I was I thought it was an interesting quote and I thought I wonder if she agrees with this or not you know I agree with it if my pixels are being applied to something that is uh black centered right so hair and all that mm-hmm. absolutely makes sense right like I'm using a medium about a topic that affects um my culture absolutely uh but if I'm I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that about other things that I'm doing with like brands, right? Like, would you, you know, like if you see something, I don't know if you necessarily would see that and be like, oh, this is the intersection. No, you wouldn't (laughs) see that. You would be like, oh, this is a video game and that's pixel art, you know? So I I think it depends on the time and the place, but also it's, it's pixel art, right? It's just, uh, it's a medium and it can apply to various things, which is why I like it, right? I love Mm -hmm. pushing the boundaries of that and helping people understand this. Yeah. Speaking of brands, you've worked for Hulu, Twitter, KFC, Secret, Powerade, I think just a few of those. Um, you know, how do you adjust your artistic approach when it comes to working with companies? Because that's something as teachers, I don't think we know, always how to teach kids how to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, when it comes to different brands and stuff, I mean, you you also, you absolutely need to understand who they are. Um, I think anytime I'm, I'm wanting the work, you know, it depends on the brief, right? If the brief says mm-hmm. that they want it to feel like mobile pixel and them, then that's like, okay, cool. I know what my brand is, right? We know the color palette. I know the fill. I need to understand your brand. What is your color palette? What is your fill? Who's your demographic? What do you like? What's your humor like, right? And so you always do a deep dive first into the client. You need to understand the client. You can't just jump in something and do what you feel because that's just you. That's not... Mm-hmm that's not the ask, you know? So I, I think with things like that, you know, it's, it's always making sure that I put the client first, right? Like this is about them and what they want to bring to life. And if it's supposed to include my voice as well, it's how do we make sure that there's a balance with that? Like, how do you make sure to see them and you? So I, I really love the newest game Twitter as an example, just because I think that the new game really screams Momo Pixel, really screams Twitter. Like the blue is Twitter blue, you know, mm-hmm. and like oh, the yeah. birds and the color, you know, like I would never make that on my own, right? Like that would never just be a Momo game because I, I wouldn't use that color of blue, right? There's there's certain, you, you can see all the different changes and the, mm-hmm. the nuances. So it's things like that, like really deep diving into who the other person or who the other client is and um you know catering to them right like the hulu game is a lot darker colors because that was a promotional game for a horror film right so of course i'm not going to use i mean maybe in the future if somebody wanted that but i'm I'm probably not going to use too many pastel colors right like you're going to want hints of red and you know deeper tones so it's just being intentional right and then using all of the knowledge you have like again back to the foundationals I'm telling you they're like the best thing ever but you know when you learn learn about color theory and you know what different attributes colors have and how they affect moods and you know so it's all of those things combined um I definitely do that for each and every every brand um, I definitely take my time to like make sure I understand them thoroughly and understand what the what they're asking me to do because you want them to be happy right um yeah I hope that answered the question no (laughs) No, it totally does actually I started thinking about another question um you know because you were saying you took your time you you did kind of your research and you really kind of plotted and planned things out and 
So I'd be really curious to hear, you know, do you have like a creative routine or a process that you go through when you're, when you're doing all that? Um, yes. So I am the queen of lists. If I do not have a list, I do not exist. Um, (laughs) so lists definitely absolutely keep me on track. They make me feel like a superwoman because you just get that instant gratification that, Oh, I finished, you know, it's kind of like, it's like when you finish a test and you're like the first person, you know, and you look at around, you're like, "Ah, y'all are still testing and I am done. Um, I, I love making lists for that reason, you know, and I, and I, I kind of gamify it in a sense, like, right. Like lists to me kind of gamify the process of getting things done. It's like, okay, here are all the tests check them off check them off check them off you know and then like you know you have little like gifts and rewards that you give yourself when you finish you know or you like take something away from yourself or you don't allow yourself something um so I I absolutely make a list um I and it changes and it grows but it's absolutely like what is the first thing that has to be done you know and I I I it changes for each project because sometimes let's say um Google Play, I think I, I, I did a little bit differently. Um, they were really adamant about the colors. Mm. Uh, they were really focused on like, we want the Momo colors. And I was like, okay, but like, you're Google. <laughs> How does that <laughs> <one> work? <laughs> right? So, so like looking at my color palette with their color palette was actually the first thing that I did. So my list that time was like, look at their brand colors, right? go through and pick what colors you like. You know what I'm saying? What colors vibe well with your, like, so my list was more color oriented when I started, whereas I think other times when I'm starting on games, it's okay, what is the objective, right? Like, do you understand the objective? I mean, I'm giving myself lists like Mm -hmm. that, like, um, find the find the common line find the end you know different things like that I'm, I and I start with the story the story is usually the most important part so anytime I'm making a game I don't even start on art I don't even think about the visuals first I always start with the story because that's the core of it right the why what is this what is it going to say how are people going to move through it you know um I mean, it all, it's all starts in school too. If you think about it, like mm-hmm. before, before anything, you start with the stories, right? Like Goldilocks and they're reading you, whatever it mm-hmm. is, like story time was always the favorite time. So um, it's a bit of that. And then, and then once I have the story and I have what the core is, then that's when I move on to, okay, well, how do we visualize this? But once you have that, it's a lot easier to move on to colors because that's going to dictate how you're going to use colors and what the style is going to be. You know, I'm, I'm usually very adamant um, about things like going back to the Twitter game. You know, if you look at their hair, because Twitter is, um, because of their icon, it was like, well, okay, we can place this world in the sky, you know? And if this place is in the sky and if your color is this kind of brilliant um, Twitter blue and it's a bit bright, then I think that the character's hair should feel like clouds, right? Like if you're in the sky and there's this, you know, so it starts to, it starts to um, inform your design decisions, right? And from there, you just keep going and you keep growing, but it starts with the story. So creative process is always a list, usually the story, but, you know, depending on what the brief is, right? It, it might change. It might change how I'm doing things. Do you, I'm just curious because my brain is 
blowing up with ideas for the classroom, actually, you know, and, and thinking about the story, even elementary art teachers typically start with some kind of story before they right. start making the art with kids. And, and so my, my brain is all over the place right now. And I'm thinking about, you know, one of the things we really want kids to, to leave school with, regardless if we're art teachers or not, is just being highly literate because we live in this world where you have to write emails all the time and you have to, you're just constantly writing, you know, we want people to be able to have a great vocabulary and all that. Was there something in school that helped you be a great writer and connect the writing and the art together? Mm, I was a poet. <laughs> so I, I don't know if it was school, but I was a, I was a, I was a reader and I was a poet. So um, growing up, I always wore in all the literary contests. I mean, I kind of wow. cheated because I knew that Harry Potter were the biggest books. So I would just <laughs> read them like over and over and over. And I was like, these are the biggest books. So these are going to give me the most points. <laughs> right but I won every literary contest right so um you know I just had a history of that and I I'm still like this you know writing helps me which is why I make lists writing helps me formulate my thoughts uh better and more correctly right like so so to that earlier question right about even like the student dealing with issues and stuff I was the type that had to write out my feelings first to make sure that I understood what it was and then from there I could you know speak to a person I mean I'm I'm still like that so I forgot the original question that you asked no I was no, just here that you did it you connected I was just wondering <laughs> how you connected the writing and the art together oh there we go <laughs> Yeah. Yes. So from the books, <laughs> yes, from the books to the poetry and yeah. And then, and then also you got to think like in advertising, that's literally the muscle that you're um, practicing. You have to be able to explain your ideas, your thoughts. You have to be explained the visuals. And if you can't do that cohesively, then it's probably not a good idea. Like if your page is like way too long, well, then the idea probably sucks and nobody's going to get it. Like you should be able to do a one-liner. You know, a thing that I always mm -hmm. practice is you should be able to write one sentence and that should be able to explain the idea cohesively and people should be able to get it. And if you can't do that, then it's, it's, it's probably not it. So I think all of the reading and all of the definitions, and I was a, a huge fantasy reader. If you, if you couldn't tell. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, um, you know, I loved reading about dragons and warlocks and, and all of that, because I, I felt like reading things like that, I felt like the writers had to be brilliant because you have to transport me into a world that doesn't exist, right? So I used to love reading the descriptions and stuff. And to me, it felt like painting or or creating a movie, right? Like, I think that's why so many people are obsessed with Harry Potter because it was like, when you read those books and you saw that first film, you were like that is everything <laughs> in my mind how do you know and it was just like and it was like that synergy it was like that's how great the writing and everything was right like the everything that we saw on the screen was everything that was written and so I I love doing that with like art right like you should be able to explain that and that's what writing a deck is that's what writing a, a presentation is right like everything that I write in this prior to creating the artwork should feel like the artwork once the artwork is out, right? Like you shouldn't feel like anything is a surprise other than this is better than I, you know what I mean? Like there, there might be a like, wow, like, but it shouldn't feel like, oh, you meant this? It should never feel like a complete 
turn off, right? Like it should yeah. feel like a, a an extension. So yeah. I am just, yeah, I'm in awe right now. Um, you have hit on a couple of really important topics. And I think this, this question kind of goes with that as well. Um, you know, we've talked about how to kind of talk with students, talk them through who they are and, you know, how to, how to be their, their life coach kind of, you know, as, as an educator, we kind of, we kind of take on that role occasionally. Um, but I'm like, and then we also talked about, you know, being in the business world and your approach to different businesses. I would be really curious as I know a lot of teachers and well, we know that there's a lot of teachers out there that are trying to decide how to approach, you know, with their, who, who their authentic self is as they approach a district or they approach a business or they approach different things. What is your approach and do you change that approach as you, as no. you go into those things? I don't change. People who've met me now, they're like, oh, well, you never change. No, I just get better. That's it. <laughs> I've, I've always been this weird kid, you know, and I, I honestly would have to say it's because of teachers. Like my, I'm still close to my high school teachers. Like there's one, I literally call her mom. Like that's how often we talk. Yeah. Because, you know, like, and I think, I think school, you spend so many, so much time with people and, you know, the best thing that my professors and teachers did was they just allowed me to be me. They didn't think it was weird. So I had a teacher at the time. I was really into, I probably should have been reading it, but I was really into the Sookie Stockhouse series. Oh yeah. And, right. You remember when that was like a huge thing. And so what she would do is she would buy a book and she would read it. And then I would buy a book and we would switch. We would like buy them in order and we would like switch off the books. And it was like, it was amazing. Right. Like I would literally save up to buy the books and like, it just like my, <laughs> my reading got higher and like, you know, they didn't care that that, like I I wanted to dress real and stuff they would just show me things that uh, uh, that were a part of that right so it's like okay Momo you like doing this and you're doing this and you're reading all of this and you're always changing your stuff well why don't you go to this school because they have all of this right so it was like they helped foster an environment where I felt more comfortable being myself and so the more comfortable I got being myself with I got used to being myself around. That's the other thing. I got really used to being myself around professors and teachers mm -hmm. because at an early age, they allowed me to do that, right? I, I had enough teachers who didn't shun me for the weird stuff or they didn't shut, like I was the kid who would read in the library during lunch. <laughs> like I didn't actually talk to kids like that, you know? Um, and so I had people who didn't, that wasn't weird. They'd be like, oh, you finished that book already? Here's another one, you know, instead of like, why are you here and not with the other kids? Go, let me force this thing that I think you should do because mm. this is a time when kids should be social. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you yeah. shouldn't be here. Like, it's like, no, like, she clearly likes to read and is reading quickly and is reading and like finishing and winning all of these contests. Let me just give her harder books. Let me just help foster this. Right. Um, so I, I think things like that, like really, really helped. Um, and so I'm, I'm just used to being myself. I also just forced myself to do it. I used to do social experiments where I would go out in the world and I don't want to say embarrass myself, but I would be like, what's the most outlandish outfit I can wear 
And how does this feel when people make fun of me? And can I deal with this? Because you have to think a couple of years ago, we weren't having conventions like this, right? Mm -hmm. we, like anime, anime was probably big to some 90s kids, but it wasn't um, mainstream like it is now, right? No, so no. I used to wear ears like this, or I used to wear antlers or whatever it was, right? And people would ridicule me, right? They would have their phones and do all this stuff. But, you know, I was really comfortable with myself and I really liked what I had on. And I think also change back to the language, changing our language, right? Some A student being themselves is not brave. That's like saying eating your that's like saying eating Cheetos is confidence. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah, you, love yeah. Cheetos, if you like Cheetos and you're eating yeah. Cheetos, in right. what way is that brave? Or, That's or not, the, yeah. It's not, you just like it. And so you're doing it. And I think that oftentimes we don't, we don't realize it, but our language starts to kind of shun or like, like, like kind of little, Shame. Yeah, shame, right? Like, oh, you're so brave. It was like, no, like I like bunnies. Like, I'm gonna wear bunny ears. That's <laughs> that's it. You know, like kids, you know, kids, we start off like that, right? They wear tiaras because it's Friday or Tuesday. They want to wear a Spider-Man outfit because they just saw it and it's like crazy, you know. And then there there gets an age where we start to be like, oh, you can't do that. But it's like, well, why not? Like it doesn't your clothes are still clothes, regardless to if it has a webinar or not, it's still pants you know, and I think even in my adult life, I still have to sometimes get people to see that. I mean, it's different now because I'm my own boss, but, you know, oftentimes I have had those moments where people are like, well, why are you wearing that? And I'm like, well, if you have on a skirt and I have on a skirt, but my skirt is just more fluffy, what is the difference? Right? Like if, if you have on a hat and I have on a hat, but my hat just has antlers, well, what is, what is the difference, right? Are they not both hats? So it's it's things like that. And also just back to, it's not it's not special, right? I think sometimes we, over, I don't want to say this, but I think sometimes we overly try to make someone feel special. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're so different for doing that. It's like, no, you just like this. You are, you are a normal you being person. You. you are you being you, you know what I'm saying? And that doesn't have to be anything out of this world. That could just be you. And that is, what everybody else is doing. They're just being themselves. And that's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just, <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm like, I love you. I love it. I love this discussion. It's just like, I'm thinking about it from the, the education lens, my professional lens, my parenting yeah. lens. Oh, like yeah. there's so much wisdom. You, you called on, yourself on brilliant the, and I'm saying you are levels. more than brilliant. So. Yeah. Well, I think why don't you ask what? the hardest question? The hardest question? Yeah, ask the hardest question. The hardest question. <laughs> In our podcast, every time we come to the end of our, we always ask our, our guest, our host. Um, no, we're the host. Our yeah. guest. Sorry. Um, every time we ask them, we ask them if there's any kind of additional wisdom or words of advice or bits of advice that you would be uh wanting to share with our, our listeners and viewers now? Mm, mm, I don't know. I feel like everything sounds cliche. Like we're like, just have fun. Like <laughs> <laughs> everybody says that, <laughs> but um, no, I would just say, just be genuine. I think that people can feel the honesty of your intentions. You know, like even if there's a teacher that doesn't get you, if the teacher is genuinely trying, you know, and they're not doing anything to like harm you or like ignore you, I think that 
people are, you're, you're going to be receptive in some way. You're going to be like, ah, their heart's in a good place. Let me try, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, even, even with work, right. I'm always uh, a genuine person and I think it comes through and, and I think it just comes through in life, you know, mm-hmm. and I think if you allow yourself to be yourself and you allow your students to be themselves and you help them learn who they are, because I think that's the hardest part, right? Like you're a student, you don't know, you don't even know who you are. You're trying to figure it out while having to conform to all this stuff. Um, I don't know. I think it'll just be beneficial to everybody. Like the professors and teachers that I remember the most were always the ones who let me be me and went along with it, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, I've always been kind of like this, like happy, like kind of troublemaker, not really a trouble, kind of a troublemaker, you know, like I was the person who would like look to see if the class did their homework. And if they didn't do their homework, I would bring up a topic that I know the teacher's going to talk about till the end so that we don't all, ha- we don't have to turn in anything. It's like, oh, Miss Sarah, mm. you just got a pug, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> trouble you know so i i would just that's that's all, i i think that's all i have i mean you guys are already teachers and it's such a phenomenal job and you're really touching like a lot of lives in a lot of different ways even if you don't realize it sometimes but um i i really think like having fun and fostering fun environments is always the way to go the professors i remember and teachers i remember they were fun they had the most interesting things and even if they had a boring subject the way that they topped the subject was amazing like there's a professor I feel like I could make an anime out of the way that he taught like he was a math teacher and instead of giving us a test like we're all used to I don't know if y'all should steal this I don't know if I should tell this but you know he's kind of older I don't know if he'll keep doing this but um instead of giving a test like you know everybody does in the same way with the 30 questions he made the test one question. Here are 40 things you need to know. I am only going to ask you one of them. You don't know which one. If I find you, I'm going to ask you. So it wasn't that he tested you in class. It was, if we are going to lunch and you pass that teacher and he sees you, Your, your head is down. Yeah, you, you, feel, you feel the no. tension now, you know, like don't, if you're going to the restroom and he just happens to like, oh, and he catches you, <laughs> he'll ask you one of those questions and you right. have to know it. And that is how you got your grade, right? That's and awesome. so- it turned students into athletes. Like I saw people jump the highest I had ever seen them <laughs> jump over desks, you know, but a lot of us really learned all of the answers, you know, all of those things because he was going to ask you anything. Um, but that was really fun. You know what I mean? And I, that's a memory I will never, I will never lose because yeah. And like, I was a math whiz. I don't even do math now, but I was literally the top of my class. Like any class that was fun, I was the top of it. Like, so <laughs> That's all I got. Like, have fun, be yourself. That's awesome. You know what I mean, and like, do cool things. Like, life's short. I don't know. It shouldn't be boring. That's awesome. Nice. That needs to be a sticker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, well, I'll, yeah. Yeah. Well, can you yeah. make it for us, Mama Pixel? <laughs> <laughs> make us, make us a pixelated sticker. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. Hope, I hope everybody enjoyed the talk and stuff. You know. Uh, but I hope, I hope it was 
it was amazing. No, You're amazing. No and we cannot thank you enough. I mean, you're exactly, I think what teachers need, especially mm -hmm. after a rough couple of years and they're going into the school year this year, I think you're perfect. I mean, you're just full of energy and inspiration and I loved visiting with you. I can't wait to talk to you more. Yep. So. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. Let's listen. So I'm just as an elf talking about games. Like I can't be upset. There's like, I can't even imagine like being here and being like, yeah, you know, I make games and uh like <laughs> <is it? laughs> nice. too cool. Nice. Yeah. I want my kids to meet you actually. My our three kids. I'm like, you are like well, thank they, you. Listen. You, yeah. I love this. Like who knew being a nerd would pay off? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's great. You know what I'm saying? You get picked on. They're like, ooh, look at you reading. It's like, well, yeah, look at me getting paid now. Like it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. So awesome. Oh gosh. As always, you're gonna say, oh wow, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. That's what you always say. Maybe. Did you love her as much as I did? I enjoyed that amazing conversation probably uh, yes my face is hurting from smiling and <laughs> laughing so much she is a joy um so much content that was really valuable for art teachers as well you know i i i mean if you really take the time to listen i think what blew me away the most was her continual comments on how art is intertwined with everything and how the foundations connect to all of it. Yep. You know, I, I think that that was really good for me to hear as an art educator, just that those foundations lead into everything, everything. else, everything else, and how we have to give them a strong foundation of art knowledge and skills. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I hope that, that everybody listening loved her and I hope that we can have her back actually. <laughs> um, and if you did love her or you love uh, listening to K-12 Art Chat, the podcast, we would love it if you check out davisart.com, look at the resources provided. And leaving us comments and feedback on all of our previous podcasts or who you want us to interview and talk to in the future. Absolutely. If, if you have any ideas about topics for the Twitter chat or, or guests that you would love us to have on, we would love it if you would email us at thecreativitydept at gmail.com and leave us uh, your comments and follow us and do all the things. We'd appreciate it. <laughs> what is that? Buttons, thumbs? Buttons, thumbs, rings, likes, all that. hearts. All that. You know, I don't know, but and I do know that if you follow us on um, any of the podcasts um, like Apple or um, Spotify, it does help us out and we would appreciate it. So thanks so much. 